Hello to you all and welcome to episode 73 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Good to have you with us again and uh, here today with uh, Reverend Dr. John Payne, the Senior Minister of Christ Church. John, good to be with you today. Good to be with you, Ross. And we today want to talk about a very important and perhaps neglected topic, and that of unity in the church, uh, the the bonds of peace uh, amongst God's people. And we know this is a subject that is near and dear to our Lord Jesus's heart. He speaks in the Gospels of wanting his people to be one as he and the Father are one. He uh, tells us that uh, by our love for one another, that the world will know that we are his. Of course, in the Old Testament, we have Psalms like Psalm 133 that speak of the, the blessing of brothers dwelling together in unity. And uh, we, we know that um, those things being the case, it is still not an easy uh, realization in practical terms oftentimes in this life to have that kind of unity and love outwardly for one another, both in the local church and in the wider church. And so, John, let's talk about that today. You've been thinking about this a good bit lately and in particular, how to have unity as we will disagree one, with one another over certain things and what that should look like. Right. In the church, uh, we still struggle with sin. Uh, there are different understandings of, uh, different levels of understanding, I should say, of God's truth. Uh, you have uh, mature believers, you have immature believers, you have everything in between. Uh, I think too often in the Reformed Church, we have expectations of, for instance, young believers or believers who have not been in the Reformed tradition for very long, that they would have the same kind of maturity as someone who's been in the Reformed church for 20 years. Right, right. And uh, there's a level of impatience, uh, a quickness to accuse, um, a judging of motivations and intentions. And uh, while uh, we always want to contend for the truth, and we want to preach and to teach the truth. Now, there's also a level in which we need to to be careful that we are not um, impugning destructive motives to mm. uh, to others. That they're they're not looking to always uh, wreck the truth, but sometimes in ignorance or uh, just not having grown up in the tradition, they will have erroneous views, which. Uh, many believers who have teachable hearts uh, want to see uh, changed if they have them. And, you know, one of the passages that has always really encouraged and convicted me is uh, Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 4. Of course, first three chapters of Ephesians, we have Paul uh, glorying in the Trinitarian love and uh, redemption of God, uh, the Father choosing his bride and then sending his son to, to, to purchase redemption for that bride and then sending the spirit to apply that redemption. And, and then chapter two and the, the focus on the individual's uh, salvation by grace through faith and in union with Christ. And then in chapter four, we, we, we have this emphasis on unity in the mm. church and the body of Christ. And Paul one of the first things he does in this long section, which were these three chapters in our Bibles, chapters four through six, he is exhorting the church on how to live as those who are united to Christ. And he begins, he launches into his long exhortation on how we are to live as Christians by saying that we ought to walk in a manner worthy of the calling 
to which we've been called. That is mm. a calling from death to life, a, a, an effectual calling. Yes. And then he says, we are to do this with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Mm, it kind of sounds like those conversations that take place on Facebook and uh, and, and, and uh, the, the Twitter uh, discussions. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, something like that, John. No, I think uh, Twitter and Facebook and blogs could be named the anti-unity and anti-bond of peace forums uh, quite often. What's interesting with that, uh, as, as the point's been raised, and I don't even know if we were planning on talking about this in this episode, but... It is an interesting topic, isn't it? How we communicate with each other uh, via online media. Sure. Uh, and, and what's happening in our day is people are spending so much time on social media and so much time on the internet that some of their, I should say some, most of their interaction with others in the world of ideas is taking place online. Sure. And so what we're seeing is not the cultivation of the bonds of peace, even amongst Christians who may disagree about some issue, you're actually seeing really bad habits of communication being fostered and cultivated yeah. in the lives of, of, of Christians. We, we have become impatient with each other. We've become short with each other. Uh, we, we are not humble. Uh, we are not gentle. We're, mm. we're forceful, heavily opinionated, unnuanced. Yeah. And um, everything is black and white. Everything's, black. everything's a, 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 a hill to die on. Yeah. Um, and, and, and part of that, at least part of that, is the fact that we don't are looking in, into someone's eyes. Uh, we yes. don't see the mannerisms. We don't feel like we're dealing with a real person there. It's just someone on the other side of the computer. Yeah. So let's talk about this for a minute. Um, it is possible to be a Christian and to disagree with another Christian on a point of doctrine. So let's just take doctrine for a moment. Uh, where do we draw the line between what we can disagree on and still have unity and what we cannot disagree on and still have unity? And then in either of those cases, how do we handle ourselves? Yes. And, and so this can be in the local church and in, and in the wider church. But how do we then handle ourselves? Let's take scenario one first. We're, we're Christians and we have a brother or sister that we disagree with something that they believe. Um, how do how do we disagree, and what is it okay to disagree over, and say that we still have unity? I think one, I mean, the obvious example is baptism, but we always talk about that. So let's just sure. move on from yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Something else. Um, but but can we have unity with our? Can we come to the table with our Baptist brothers who do not embrace covenantal infant baptism? Well, the answer is yes. We believe we can. And yes, we do. Let's use a perhaps. Uh, a more pointed um, something that's happening in our own day in the PCA, and that is over the question of mercy ministry, social justice, those kinds of things. Now, yeah. now, when you say social justice in some groups, immediately they're going to break out in hives, right? And that no matter how you talk about it, it's just wrong, and we don't want to discuss it, right? Then you have another side where. If you don't talk about that, they're going to break out in highs. Right. And and the mission of the church really is primarily focused on that. And so then you have a spectrum of people that are trying to figure out how do we as Christians love our communities and love the lost and show a concern for justice in the world and that kind of a thing. So that would be a, an example. So can a, a 
well, let's put it this way. Can two people exist in a church and come to the Lord's table together and not be angry with each other if one thinks that the role of the deacon in the life of the church is primarily to do deeds of mercy and justice to non-Christians outside of the church, mm-hmm. to care for the homeless, to yep. feed the hungry, uh, to clothe the naked, and that there is a, a, an understanding of Scripture, which, by the way, I think is wrong, yeah. Um, and I can give some definition on that, but that they believe the role of the deacon in the life of the local church is is really primarily to be involved heavily in in mercy ministry in the life of the community and the world. Sure, so societal betterment. Societal betterment, yeah, transforming society. Whether it's education, economics, food and poverty, all all of those things. So is that the role of the deacon? And in the larger picture, is that the role of the mission of the church? Is that the mission of the church in some aspect? Right, so we disagree with that. Sure, but then you have another view which says that the mission of the church as church, as the gathered community, is to make disciples as Christ in his Great Commission communicated. And now, of course, we would have a more narrow view of the Great Commission, whereas other Christians would have a broader view of the Great Commission, that it's not just in Matthew 28 that we get the commission. It's actually got to sort of do a more of a survey of the New Testament and, and, and study the scriptures and try to come to a conclusion about what the mission of the church is. Um, so there are Christians who have a more narrow view of the Great Commission, which is to make disciples through the means of grace and to plant churches, and that those disciples then go out and are salt and light in their various occupations and, and callings yep. and are in that way impacting the community for sure. Yep. So so for both views, there is an end in wanting to be salt and light. Yep. Um, and f- for, for the other, it would be that the mission of the church or the role of the deacon as part of that is to bring... Uh, societal change and transformation directly uh, through the works of mercy so and work kind of the of church and it's not quite as word centered although most christians wouldn't say that the word's not involved in that i mean of course that's a that'd be a wrong thing to say um right now some now the liberal mainline churches would certainly not have a a, a true gospel being preached in the context of Deeds right. of mercy. Right. But let's say in, in a gospel preaching denomination that affirms the authority of the yes. scriptures, you can have these two yes. poles, these two perspectives. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that strongly disagree on, say, this important issue. Yeah. Um, neither one of them denying the gospel, but going at it in different ways from different perspectives. So we're not in any way watering down the truth. We're not saying that, you know, uh, that uh, one is not a Christian. Uh, we're not saying that there's no way we can survive in the same denomination together. Um, what we're saying is that within reason, within reason, uh, we can have disagreements in the church and discuss those disagreements and debate those disagreements yeah. and write articles that would be disagree- disagreeing in the way that, that the gospel should be applied in the life of the church and, yes. and in the world and still love each other. Yes. And still love each other and still be able to come to the Lord's table together. Yes. How do we do that, John? So we, we, we know that we should, and we've talked about some of the negative examples on social media and that sort of thing. Uh, you've written an article recently that was on the Gospel Reformation Network's website, 
and uh, ended up being picked up by another uh, website called the Aquila Report called Cultivating the Bonds of Peace in the PCA. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you reflect on some recent experience you've had, some of the, the very things you're talking about are disagreements that are within the PCA itself. So whether in the PCA or if we have listeners who are in other denominations um, and even just thinking about our own churches where leaders might be on the opposite sides of issues and that sort of thing, how do we go about uh, disagreeing and yet maintaining, disagreeing over orthodox things? We'll get to the other in just a moment. But how do we go about disagreeing over orthodox things in a manner that is pleasing to Christ? The first, well, let me read this text again. Yes. With all humility. Yes. And gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. Hmm. That's the Bible's response to that question, is how do we do that? It's it's by walking in this way. Yeah. Um, Some other things to mention. We need to be careful not to make uncharitable assumptions of each other. Mm, yeah. So that if there is a particular view or a particular activity or action that a church is taking or a pastor is taking, that you don't automatically assume the worst about them. Yeah. And their motives and their intentions. Yes. Um, and that you rightly understand their actual view. And that you rightly understand their actual view. And one of the best ways to actually understand someone's view, if you have a real concern about it, is to talk to them about it. Yeah. Now, let me be straight. Could you still walk away from that conversation knowing what they wrote, for instance, in a book, and still say, you know, I still think that they've been unclear and they've been unhelpful in the way that they've described this? Sure. And could you tell them that? Sure. Yeah. But you do that because you love them. Yes. And because you love the church, not because you're full of pride and you want to hammer them and you want to be right. In either way, what you're describing here is honesty. It's humility, it's gentleness, and it's honesty so that we're not misrepresenting them. And if we come away thinking that they've been unclear, we can tell them that. And that's honesty. But it's not the same thing as as putting up straw men that we tear down just so that we can look strong in our arguments. And we don't want to be uncharitable in the way that we judge their motivations. Um, I know there's a sense in which when there's a a, a track record, you know, if someone has killed 12 people and uh, they're walking through a dark alley one night and and, and they've got a a gun, then you can judge their motivations. (laughs) Uh, you, You need to somewhat judge motivations. I get that. But I'm not talking about it here. I'm talking about, you know, Someone who is, is serving the Lord, who loves the Lord, and and yet is doing things in a different way than you would do them, and that immediately you judge them uncharitably, and you think the worst of them and what they are saying and what they are doing. That is unacceptable behavior. Yeah. There's a story of uh, a man who was on a subway, and his three kids were really acting up, and they were being very disobedient, and the father was just sitting there with his head down and there was a couple that was sitting next to him and were so frustrated and irritated with the man and uh, eventually walked up to him and said sir could you please control your children um they're 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 out of control and he and and the man looked up with tears in his eyes said i'm sorry i just came from my wife's funeral Mm. and immediately the couple was so sad that they had sure basically rebuked this man. Now, again, 
I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for rebuke and those kinds of things. Right. But right. what was assumed uncharitably was that this man just didn't watch over his kids or discipline his kids. Mm. Um, and I think that story makes the point that too often we are quick to assume the worst about people. So that if, for instance, um, someone walks into the church and is not dressed in a modest way, that immediately you would assume that they're, you know, living a, a life that they shouldn't be living rather than, well, maybe maybe that person has grown in the last month and put on a dress that they, you know, shouldn't have put on, but but just got themselves um, in a situation where they, they made a bad decision. Sure. Or no one's really taught them about modesty. Yeah. And they're a new person in the church. Sure. Um, so rather than jump to conclusions, which we are so good at doing, we're so good at being judgmental yes. and judging people's motivations and being uncharitable. I mean, that just comes naturally to all of us. Well, and so all these ad hominem attacks or just attacks of the person instead of the argument, and even just the word attack, you know, we, we that that is nowhere found in, in the text that you read for <laughs> us in Ephesians. That's a combative, militaristic, enemy sort of word, yeah. and, and it shouldn't yeah. be in our mindset. Uh, in the church the fact is in the life of the church there are going to be disagreements there are going to be different perspectives and we're called to love each other and to be be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and bonds of peace that means we are actually passionate about unity and we're we are doing everything we can that we know how to protect that unity yeah and uh again what we're saying here, we're not going to kill this conversation with a thousand qualifications and nuances. I mean, yeah, there, you know, you never, let it be said, you never sacrifice the truth for the sake of unity. Correct. But let's get something straight. The only organizations or groups that all agree with each other 100% on everything are cults. <laughs> yes. And they all yeah. are in agreement with whatever the cult leader says. Right. Yeah. And, and so while we have truth and we want to, to, to uh, preach it, to teach it, to defend it, uh, we need to recognize that um, there are going to be different perspectives, different levels of maturity, different approaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we want to be as, in, a, in the Reformed Presbyterian Church, we want to be as narrow as our confession is and as broad as, broad, yes. as our confession yeah. is which is part of the beauty of confessionalism isn't it right so when you start making really strong words about uh homeschooling for instance that becomes like an 11th commandment so right. you feel like half a christian if you're for, for, for various reasons in your life are sending your kids to a christian school or to a public school you've, you've just begun to get divisive in a way that is yes. beyond the purview of our confession of faith, Yes, um, I believe. Yeah, so that, that's very good. Let's, let's shift directions a little bit. And we've, we've talked about essentially disagreement while maintaining unity and disagreeing in love and, and not compromising the truth and just pretending that we believe all the same things. But on the other side of this conversation is... Are, is the truth and, and are the admonitions that um, in the church, whether locally in a congregation or in the broader church, say in a denomination like the PCA, um, there are times that teachings come in that are dangerous, that are unbiblical, that we cannot agree to disagree over, 
we, we see the imagery in Scripture coming out that the shepherds have to defend the sheep from wolves, sometimes wolves in sheep's clothing, sometimes wolves that are clearly wolves. And the, the ministers of God's people, the, the officers and overseers, are tasked with that. And um, that is a, a different scenario. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we handle that? And does it mean that our tone and, yeah. and manner change in the way that we handle it? Yeah, so we see our Lord Jesus Christ bringing strong rebuke against the Pharisees. Um, he, he wasn't gentle with them. Yeah. Uh, they were attacking the very core of the ministry of Christ. Mm. They wanted to murder him. Uh, they were undermining the covenant of grace. And, and, and the same goes for the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. uh, when he gave a strong rebuke to the Galatians and yeah. to the church at Corinth, for instance, uh, to Peter himself yeah. uh, when Peter was undermining the gospel and rejecting table fellowship with Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... There is a time and a place, of course, for strong rebuke and for separation. Yes. And for separation. It's not unity at all costs. Uh, If the fundamentals and the vitals of our faith are being attacked or compromised, then there must be separation. Now, every church, every individual Christian, every denomination has to think through those issues in terms of what kind of alliances are made, right? Uh, But you think of Titus chapter 3, verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is Mm self-condemned. So there are going to be those in the church that not only are attacking the fundamentals of the Christian faith, but that are profoundly divisive. And people that are seeking to actively divide uh, the church and to bring division uh, within the Christian body are are to be excommunicated. They are to be, um, as it says here, we have to have nothing more to do with them. So, yeah, there there are times, and, and, and church discipline clearly communicates that we need to take seriously these issues and at times even to remove people from... Uh, the fellowship of the church. So what we're talking about here is in no way saying we need to kind of have a casual, lighthearted view of sin and just overlook things for the sake of peace and unity. That is a lie from the devil. Um, We're not talking about that. Um, We're talking about, as Scripture says, being gentle, peaceable, humble, uh, loving and cultivating the, the bonds of unity and peace. That that's what we're talking about in the in the context of the Christian church. Yes, and so the the goal is to be faithful to what our Lord Jesus has purchased. Right, that He has purchased unity among us uh, by His own blood, and that we don't try to divide that unity with our own pride, with our own hobby horses, with our own uh, convictions that that are not ultimate things. So we, you and I have strong convictions uh, about what worship should look like and, and the frequency of the Lord's Supper and those sorts of things. But uh, to, to not make those, not, to not put those things on the same level as something like justification or uh, you know, any, any other number of core gospel issues and to not, as you said at the beginning, make every hill a hill to die on and yet to hold the line. 
and to maintain that balance. And I think going back to the opening scripture from Ephesians, that um, that humility is a massive part of this because so often divisiveness comes not ultimately from a love for the truth, but for a love of oneself who believe you know who we believe is holding the truth. Yes. And so it's self-promotion ultimately that ends up bringing division and not even the truth itself. Yeah, and I, I think that as I've been in ministry for 20 years, uh, there, there seems to be in some a kind of, for whatever reason, just a, a kind of a pent-up anger that just is constantly coming out. And rather than show people grace and charity and uh, making charitable assumptions and being loving and that, that kind of a spirit being clearly communicated by their demeanor and their teaching and their writing it's quite the opposite yeah uh, it's a, a kind of angry tone and a, 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 a love for contention it seems that, that that's kind of what animates them yeah. is, is the dispute you know yes and uh, I, I think that while we need to be ready to contend for the faith at all times uh, it shouldn't be something we're looking for constantly and making every issue the big issue. Yes. Amen. Well, John, it's a good conversation. Uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom uh, with us again. And to you, our listeners, we thank you for joining us. We uh, do hope that you'll uh, come back again as we continue uh, working through the uh, the topics that um, the Lord has given us in this time between His comings, this, mm-hmm. this time between the times. Mm-hmm. And uh, we look forward to being with you again.